You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric DeSobe here. Excited to be joined by 2018 Silicon Valley fellow Jessica Dickinson Goodman is here. I'm going to preview some of her Spark Talk coming up in Des Moines in July and just talk about California things in general. Thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, Jessica, what's the story with the Silicon Valley chapter? Is it mostly tech people or, or what are what, what, what should people know about who's in that room with you? Most of the folks in my class and then the classes that I've volunteered with since are from progressive communities. So they work for nonprofits. There's actually only about one or two hardcore tech people. There's a Googler in this current class and I'm a software developer. So I guess I count as a tech person as well as a wonk. Um, but it's mostly folks working in local government. Uh, we had folks who worked for Congresswoman Eshoo's office, folks who work for city council and supervisors, you know, the usual mix. And then have you seen an evolution in how progressives are viewing the tech sector as, as a whole? I mean, we're obviously seeing a lot in the 2020 campaign talking points, but do you feel that on the ground at all? It's hard to tell from inside the storm. Um, I grew up in East Palo Alto and in San Jose. The I used to, when my mom was a single mom in the 90s, I was raised mostly taking my sick days in server farm rooms. Mm. So it's uh, <laughs> it's hard. I find the sound of servers incredibly comforting. It's, it's the sound of home for me. But uh, it's hard to see how my community is understood from outside. Um, but when I was working in DC um, at Polaris and when I was working at Harvard, um, in, obviously in Boston um, or Cambridge, as Harvard <laughs> people like to be very clear about, um, yeah, I, I think that there's been a, a loss of innocence in how people think about the power of technology from outside of Silicon Valley, but there's still so much hope about the positive things that we can get done in the world with, with tech. Got it. Well, listen, let's talk about your upcoming Spark Talk, and it'll be in Des Moines. It'll be in the third week of July. It should be a packed house. Have you seen Spark Talks live before? I haven't. This will be an exciting minute for me to get to see it. Nice. And so give us folks a preview of what you're going to talk about. Sure. So my talk is titled Male, Stale, and Pale, Working with Legacy Organizations to Achieve Progressive Change. Um, I'm talking about my experience as the youngest woman ever elected to run an Odd Fellows Lodge in California. Uh, the Odd Fellows are a fraternal order, um, which, you know, if, you're, if you've taken some Latin, you know that the word fraternal refers to brotherhood. So that tells you about how male it is. Um, and it's, yeah, it's an interesting space to work in. Um, it's the, the very short pitch is that there are tons of Oddfellows Lodges in almost any given downtown across the United States, and that's free community space that as progressives we can be using for trainings, for events, for safe spaces for communities that are being targeted by the Trump administration. And though it can be uncomfortable to work with legacy organizations, most of whose members are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, there's a lot of value in intergenerational organizing work. And you've had some personal experience breaking into these spaces. What was that like? Sure. So um, when I came back to Silicon Valley to uh, serve as a scheduler for now U.S. Senator and presidential candidate Kamala Harris, I uh, I wanted to join a writing group because I, I write every day. And my bestie from high school was running a writing group. Uh, I am under permanent probation in the group because she is aware of my behavior uh, in taking over groups. And so uh, I, I am not allowed to have any form of leadership within writing group, which is kind of relaxing sometimes. It's nice <laughs> to not be always in charge. Um, so we were meeting in a used bookstore, but they couldn't make rent anymore in downtown Mountain View, which is the city that Google is located in. 
And so she walked up and down Castro Street, which is the main drag in that city, looking for places that we could meet for free. She ended up joining the lodge, um, and I ended up joining after her so that we could continue to use the space. It's It's been one of the most friendly legacy organizations I've joined. Um, I grew up in the Episcopal Church. I've been involved in the Democratic Party for quite a bit of time. And there's usually a moment where you're making an opinion known as a young person and somebody points out to you that you're not supposed to have an opinion until you're like in your 50s. Um, And that hasn't happened to me in the Oddfellows. I found the members, regardless of age, have been incredibly welcoming. Um, There are, of course, tensions as as a queer woman who is very clearly progressive. It's a little hard on some of the older members. I am hard on them sometimes and they're hard on me sometimes. But we all come back together to try and continue to build this community vision that we share. And so when you're putting your Spark Talk together, is it harder to write the the text of it and actually what you're going to say? Or is it harder to put together the slide deck that's going to go with it? For those that haven't seen Spark Talks, it's a little bit like a TED Talk, but there's visual slides that are accompanying what somebody is saying. But yeah, out of those two things, which one's harder for you to put together? I, I hate to take a cop out, but I find public speaking really easy. <laughs> okay. So I didn't find either of them hard. That's good. Um, the, the visuals are going to be interesting. Um, the one struggle I had is there's a there's a slide. It opens up with the, the words male, stale, and pale. Mm-hmm. Um, and it closes with a, a re-envisioning of what that could mean for our communities. It sort of erases those words. And then it says, our civic spaces at the end, not to give too much of a spoiler. Gotcha. Um, but... I wanted to have one image that sort of summarized male, stale, and pale. And I was going back and forth between this photo of like a thousand odd fellows in the 1920s, like all white men, all wearing 1920s hats, mm. all older. And I was like, well, I could do that. And then I also found on Wikipedia a picture of Wyatt Earp's Oddfellows card. <laughs> and um, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Winona Earp, the the Canadian sci-fi TV show. And so I really wanted to put that up on the screen, but I didn't think, I thought that was a point where my, um, my nerdery was not going to carry across to an audience of people who were not all geeks the way that I am. So I stuck with the picture of the like thousand old white men. Nice. And then for folks in the audience, as they're hearing you, you know, there'll be people from the coast for sure, but a lot of the NLC chapters are in the middle of the country in more conservative states. Do you feel like your advice holds up? Cause it's going to be, I, I can see someone listening to the, your spark talk and thinking, well, Silicon Valley, San Jose is different than Omaha is different than Oklahoma City. Like, how, how do you kind of frame it for folks who might be in very different circumstances when it comes to what's actually going on in their yeah. actual area? I'd say it, it would be an even, it'd be an easier transition to work with these legacy organizations in some place like Enid, Oklahoma, where my dad's from, or Knoxville, Tennessee, where my grandma's from, um, because they're more they're more likely to understand and have a shared vernacular because when you grow up in a conservative space, um, you you may be more familiar with the language. I'd say at least half, if not a majority of the Oddfellows members I know are probably registered Republicans, if not libertarians. So it's a, it is a conservative space um, in Silicon Valley that we get to, to break into. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the folks that I know that are involved in changing lodges across across the United States, regardless of where they're from, um, they, they tend to face the same problems. I'll give a specific example. So this weekend, I drove about a thousand miles round trip in three days. So I could go to an Oddfellows event in Wairika. Wairika is about five hours north of San Jose, where I live, up by the Oregon border. 
total population is under 5,000. It's a beautiful town right by Mount Shasta. Um, more, yeah, I, uh, California has so many beautiful rural spaces and I've spent a lot of time in them in the last couple of years. I visited all 58 counties when I was working for Senator Harris, um, in 2016. And so it was, uh, I love I love those parts of California, and I love discussing the rural challenges that a lot of my friends have uh, in those spaces. But honestly, I was sitting with the woman that runs the Oddfellows Lodge up in Wairika, and same exact problems. How do you involve new members? How do you make sure they have a stake? How do you help older members, you know, learn pronouns and learn to say instead of brothers and sisters, brothers, sisters, and siblings? Uh, and these are these are arguments that we all have at every level that are more generational than geographic. Yeah, that makes sense. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, life in California and a little bit more about convention. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. So what's it like to have professional experience working for a presidential candidate, someone who actually is now super national and a lot of people know about? Is that uh, surreal feeling? Do you find yourself grumpy that the coverage doesn't match up with what you know based on your experiences? How does that actually play out? I, at least for me, I've found that it working with somebody who is is a powerful supporter of women and is really famous has sort of ruined whole sections of politics for me um, because there's this whole parlor game aspect of how people talk about candidates, of how people make fun of candidates' looks, of how people sort of try and summarize candidates in one or two phrases or, dare I say, 280 characters. And and that's not reality, right? We are huge, complex people. Um, everyone is, regardless of whether they're famous or not famous. And so for me personally, it means that I don't end up following a lot of the coverage as closely because a lot of the coverage is that sort of personality summarization coverage, which I don't feel very compelling or is particularly representative of the people behind it. Um, after the 2016 election, like a lot of people, I found myself deep diving into media, just desperately trying to figure out what was going on. Um, but then I made a decision that I wasn't going to spend more time reading about news than trying to make change myself. So I keep a, a pretty close cap on the amount of presidential coverage that I, I spend time reading. Um, I, I keep myself informed, but I don't. Um, occasionally, I have friends who are like, "Oh, did you hear this thing about blah blah blah?" And I'm like, "I I did not." <laughs> yeah. That is not that is not what I am following. I care a lot about protecting the populations that are being attacked by this administration. I care deeply about ensuring we have a woman in the White House who can represent all Americans. And the the day-to-day spin cycles are exhausting and unnecessary uh, for most voters. And when I knock doors, I mean, I knocked 400 doors in rural California last round. The vast majority of people aren't following it. Um, and so... I like to, as a as a former field organizer, who often ends up field organizing all the time because I love it, um, I tend to try and keep my understanding of what's happening with the campaigns as close to what normal people are experiencing as opposed to my friends who spend like 15 hours a day desperately triaging between Facebook, MSNBC, and Twitter. Because um, I just, I like... I like doing stuff rather than reading about stuff um, as long as I can stay as informed as I need to. Last thing, what are you looking forward to the most with convention? 
I love learning about how other communities are solving rural issues. Um, we were talking about this before, but the uh, the place I live in San Jose is about 10 minutes from active farmland. Um, it is about half an hour, well, depending on traffic, it can be a half an hour to two hours from massive dairy farms um, and massive beef farms. And that's that's not what people think of for California, but it's the reality of my state and my community. But it's not a reality that shows up a lot in discourse about us as well as, um, as a, the progressive conversations we have. But farming and orchards and and all of those conversations about our natural spaces um, are are really important to me. And I find when I'm in large scale political spaces that have other folks who have beautiful national parks, who have open farmland, um, I really value getting just to pick their brains about how they're how they're furthering their progressive values within those conversations rather than pretending that we don't need food from farms uh, or pretending that we don't need clean mountain air for us to be able to enjoy our natural spaces. Yeah, makes sense. Listen, I'm excited to hear your Spark Talk live in the room and excited for other folks to hear it too. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can catch all past episodes and there's a lot, over 130 or so. Download and subscribe to all those at your usual podcast places, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, all the things. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.